0: Yo, 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 yo! What's happening, everyone? You are listening to the Musician's Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Mark. And if you're new to the show, basically the concept here is just an honest conversation between music lovers slash musicians slash professionals in this industry. We talk about the hardships, the ups, the downs, musicality, just what makes people tick. Um, Cause we're human, you know? Um, today I have the privilege of speaking to my dear friend, Cindy Alter. Cindy Alter is a massive songwriter. Um, Believe it or not, even if you've never heard of her before, she has sold millions of records. She's been around this industry for decades. She's seen it all, she's done it all. She continues to do it and wow people along the way. She's now based in Nashville, and I will leave her links in the show notes as usual also as usual if you're getting anything from these episodes please share them with your musician friends or anyone who might benefit from them leave us a rating or review and just uh you know enjoy yourself all right i'll quit my blabbering ladies and gentlemen the one the only the amazing cindy Alter. all right cindy Alter, how are you doing
1: I am doing well. How are you doing?
0: Really good, thank you. I can't complain. It's been a, a pretty good year, and um, yeah. the rain stopped just in time for me to do this interview, so I'm always happy with <laughs> that. <it>. You know?
1: <laughs> I'm happy to hear. Well, I could say that the snow stopped before we had to do this interview. We've had crazy <laughs> weather as well. I know it's been raining there. It's been raining in South Africa. Yeah. It's like, you know, whoever said climate change is not a thing? Oopsie, yeah, you're mistaken.
0: Yeah, yeah, see, and, and I agree with that, but unfortunately, I know that a lot of people genuinely think it's not a thing, and it kind of blows my mind, I
1: gotta be honest. Yeah. Well, you know, we you can't change a person's beliefs. You know, if somebody believes a certain thing, like for example, people in cults, yeah, you know, I mean, they believe that what this person is telling them, you know, shave your head, um, you can screw anybody in the cult. <laughs> yeah, are you, are
0: you are you talking about this? Uh, I've seen this. Well, I haven't seen the whole thing, but there's a a Netflix documentary thing really at the moment about this guy, and I I could be wrong, so so I'm not gonna sort of commit to this, but I feel like it's him and his wife, and they've got this cult that's like throughout America, yeah. where they even brand. It, it sounds like a pyramid scheme and they brand everybody who comes into the cult and basically mm. he sleeps with every woman that comes into the cult. Uh. And, it's, and like, man, this yeah. has been going on for years and they're trying to shut this guy down, but he's run it like a business. And I've mm. not seen the whole thing. I'm, I'm interested to see the whole thing, but it, it's mind blowing, you know?
1: Well, the thing, you know, it, all it says is that there are a lot of uneducated, simple minded people out there that really have no uh, sense of self. I think that's what it is. I think so. You don't have a sense of self. You don't know who you are. And so when somebody says, hey, follow me, I will show you the way, then you, you immediately jump on board because I don't know what to do, so let me follow this person and let him tell me what to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah and and it's a way of also not assuming any responsibility because that way it's always somebody else's fault, you know.
1: Yes. Then somebody else is doing it, they taking me on this journey. They showing me how to be
0: completely. You know? I All
1: think, right. Oh, well, wow, on that that's note a good start. <laughs>
0: A <laughs> heavy, stuff, you know. heavy stuff,
1: heavy <laughs> oh, and, stuff And all kinds of creatively yeah. crazy shit
0: Yeah, and- yeah, hey, so so listeners, uh, basically, uh, if you weren't here for the music stuff, you know, you can always pretend we start in a cult and just follow <laughs> us anyway
1: <laughs> I'm fine with that, yeah Well, I mean, when you think about it, anybody who follows music is in a kind of a cult We're in the music cult and we follow music blindly at times Very so- much so I mean really it is a kind of a cult, but not in the in the sort of poisonous way that cult has been um cultivated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, that is awesome. I love it. Um all right, let's let's get down to business. Um <laughs>
1: Okay, sorry, I won't take us on any more channels. No, I'm <laughs> totally down for those.
0: And 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 you know, again, the more organic the better. Um but now Cindy, I obviously know quite a lot about you. Um, And for our (laughs) listeners, um, you are my first South African that I'm interviewing. So if if we sound similar to anybody listening, it's because both Cindy and I are from Johannesburg, South Africa, originally, even though our lives have seemingly taken us to many other places. And I now live in New Orleans, Louisiana, and you live in Nashville, Tennessee. So, before we get into that, um, Cindy, let me ask you to just give us a bit of a brief introduction as to who Cindy Alter is, so that anybody listening has a better idea of who you are and where you're coming from, please.
1: Okay, so, Cindy Alter um, has always felt that music chose her and um, when she was a child, when she was a baby. Um, my mother used to tell me that we'd be driving in the car and there'd be a melody, some some song on the radio and I'd be humming the melody within a few minutes of hearing it or a minute of hearing it. And she would say, how does this little baby of like 21 months old know the melody of the song? It's impossible. And it was just that, it re- I guess, music resonated with me from that age onwards. And uh, my mother was a piano teacher. And my father was a dabbler. He could play a bit of piano. He played um, mouth harp. He played ukulele, which he taught me. Also, at an early age, I started playing ukulele. Um, and so music was a thread, definitely, from beginning of my life. By the time I was four, I was a, a lunatic because I was a frustrated child. I suppose in those days... You know, you could call it like a gifted child I was really smart and stuff like that. But there's no such schools and special places to send children like that. So, of course, you know, you just stay with it. So, my mother sent me speech and drama lessons. So, I started being able to act out all my little frustrations in classes and just developed from there, the age of 10. My mom had this guitar. She was learning Spanish guitar and I picked up her guitar and started playing around with it. And she got me a book of chords and then I started playing guitar. So I was able to accompany myself starting then. So I carried on with the speech and drama lessons throughout my career, my school stuff, um, stopping only when my big band in the 70s um, took off. But until then, I was doing speech and drama and singing. So I guess that's that's my start to this whole business. When I was in school, I would sing at school concerts. When I was later on at school, in, I was about 15 or 16, I joined a band. Uh, it was a heavy rock band. So I would started off kind of just doing Cat Stevens and... Um, james taylor and that kind of folky stuff and then progressed into rock stuff so i think i had the best of both worlds that i wasn't particularly sold on any genre and i think that has served me as a songwriter my whole life that i've been able to write all kinds of stuff it's not just a certain genre and it's just a certain sound um so, of course, that continued. When I have left school, I knew I did not want to go to university. There was nothing I wanted to study. Um, I did not want to learn how to read music. I was just one of those crazy musicians who just didn't give a damn about that. Um, maybe I should have, but it's never. I've never been asked to. So, it's okay. Um, and I left school. I was asked. Somebody said, hey, you know, somebody's looking for somebody to work at this record company. So it was a guy called Johnny Gibson. He was a well-known artist. He was also a country kind of artist. And him and his um, family had a record company. And I started working there as a secretary. So I started getting sort of involved more and more into the music scene. He got me to go on tour as an opening act to Bobby Angel, who was a very big country star in South Africa. Um, I learned so much. I learned about being on tour. I learned about being on stage, um, owning the stage, you know, being a performer as more than just a singer. Um, After that, I came back and I was about to go on another tour. And somebody called me and said, hey, there's these girls looking to put together an all-girl band. Would you like to audition? I said, yeah, why not? So I called them. And I went to audition and I got the part. So I was going to be a backing vocalist and um, electric guitar rhythm player. So that sort of started moving along. We really started working hard at it. The bands got together as, as a band, as music. Um, you know, we were musically more in tune with each other. And we got a manager and the manager decided to record us. And he chose this old um, Righteous Brothers song that was on one of their albums. It was never a hit, but it was a good song. And that song we recorded was called Substitute and it became a worldwide overnight sensation. Big hit, number one all over the world, uh, number two in the UK. And by the end of two years, we'd sold 10 million albums. Um, Sadly, our manager was very clever for himself more than anything else. And he was just siphoning the money off. And we were two years in, three years in, four years in and going, where is the money? What are we gonna do? We've been touring Europe. We have had another more hits. We've sold more albums. What is going to happen with this? And bam, the band fell apart, you know, out of total disappointment and, you know, just being abused for all those years, financially abused, if anything. Yeah. And um, so that was my start into the music business on such a high that after that is very difficult to find out what you want to do and how you want to do it after you've been a big pop star selling millions of albums. And now you're on the bottom of the at ladder again. And now where do you start? Completely. So you, start again at, you know, you start again at the bottom of the ladder. And for me, it was never about the fame and the fortune. Um, for me, it was always about the music. And it still is. For me, success is the fact that I'm still playing music. That is success. Oh, without a doubt. Songs.
0: Without a doubt. You know,
1: I'm still able to sing. Um, I'm still writing with other people. I'm still following my dream. That, to me is honestly success. If I make the big time, if I sell the big songs, I get some cuts, um and I get I really do make money from this, that'll be such a beautiful bonus. Um, and I wish that, of course. So I'm not going to say, well, if it doesn't happen, I'll be fine. I want it to happen.
0: Yeah, and you know. and it's important to have those kinds of goals. You know, I mean,
1: it's very important. Uh, very yeah. important. And that's that's why I came to Nashville at this stage of my life. Nashville had been calling me since uh, about 2000. I was living in LA, and I used to come here and and tour, do a few shows, and do a few clubs, and I did the, you know, the the usual writers places, the Bluebird and Exit Inn and a few places like that. And um, I just loved this place so much. I knew I wanted to move here. So in 2002, I came for another tour, met a guy who was at ASCAP Publishing, and he said, I love your songs. If you come here, I think I can get you a publishing deal. And I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I decided to leave L.A., for a couple of months, and just come here and live, and see if I could get that deal going. And then I got cancer; I got leukemia, and um, that put paid to my dream. So it's taken me what since 2002 till 2022, about 20 years, yeah, actually, to get here. And it's been my dream, and I I did it.
0: <laughs> you did it, and and there's so much <laughs> stuff to delve into. There, I mean, what an introduction! Uh, just incredible. You've you've <laughs> actually you've actually answered some stuff that I'm still going to ask you about because
1: well, you, you yeah, can ask. Yeah, there's, there's, there's
0: just there's just so much to to say here. So I'm going to dissect some of this. Okay, so let's start with the whole moving to Nashville thing. I know you did LA for 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 many years then you came back to South Africa that's where I actually met you I mean I don't expect you to remember that I was actually in between continents myself at that point (laughs) but but I had already been living in England for a while and I'd come come back to South Africa and um a mutual friend of ours Gary uh who is the bass player um, I forget his last name, but but he was playing Fanzel. with you guys, and yes, him and I Fanzel. had be- had become Funzel, That's it. We had become hmm. buddies and and I remember Clouts, your band got back together in South Africa mm. and I actually came and opened for you guys a couple times at places like Tans Cafe and the the oh Beer Hall goodness. and stuff like that. Now I mean this is like a billion years ago. So Yeah, but so, I do
1: remember you being there. Um I don't know we probably met and said hi or whatever but yeah, I don't think you, we ever you, had a big conversation.
0: Exactly. I mean those those things it's you know it's more about you're, you're, you're moving around people so much and you're talking to yeah. so many people that I don't expect yeah. anything like that. I totally get it. But so then you, you, you landed back in South Africa for a while. You're doing your thing <clears throat> and you've then decided to move to Nashville. So now we know why because you've spoken about that already. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about a few things here. Tell us about mm. some of the ups and downs you've experienced relocating again. And then also... Um, tell us how important you think it is or isn't for a musician or a songwriter to try and be in a musical town to, for their career to no. progress.
1: Okay. Um, let me answer that one first because the ups and downs are quite deep, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't I, – there are some people, you know, and you've heard these stories of this small town, the person that was the singer, the songwriter, the something, like the Keith Urban, you know, okay, so he was from a, maybe a bigger town in Australia, but he knew that being there was not enough for him. And he wanted to, to go to America, to go to Nashville. So there's an example of somebody, you know, who's, whose dream is to be in a city that feeds him, a place that feeds your musical desires. Now, for me, I was in Johannesburg. There was a lot of music going on. It was a music city when you think about it, and especially in those days. So I don't know if it's so much being attached to being in a place that's a music town or following your music dreams wherever you are. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that would be my my take on that. Wherever you are, you can make that your music city. Yes, you can have dreams of music because some people can't move. Some people just don't have any resources. I know lots of people in South Africa like I wish I could go to America. You know, and they're good. They're really good. But the resources are just not forthcoming and it's difficult for them. Yeah. And, and immigration is hard.
0: Again, uh, I've, I've had those same conversations with people. They, they, they seem to talk about it like it's a very easy thing, but you (laughs) sacrifice a lot, you know, obviously you're trying to achieve certain things, but I just like you and anybody who's ever left their hometown, you, you definitely sacrifice moving. It's not just a money thing. It's very expensive, but it's, it's,
1: it's tough, you know? It is, okay, so now we'll talk about the, and the challenges of moving, the ups and downs. I mean, okay, so when I first met, moved to L.A., I was 33 years old. I was full of spit and vinegar. You know, I was ready to take on the world, and it was so much easier for me. Um, everything just fell into place. I had a band within three weeks. It was da-la-la la, and boom-ba-boom, and then of course my journey really began, uh, but I was definitely much more um, in a state of my life where it didn't, it didn't burn me hard. You know, I fell into a good rhythm there. I started writing, I mean, I wrote with Trevor Rabin, I was writing with other people. I was, I was really moving and shaking, you know. This time around has been really difficult. Yes, I've lived in America before. I've not lived in Nashville before. The longest I've been in Nashville was a six-week trip that I did. It was playing gigs, and I I recorded an EP with a guy here called Freddie Cannon, who actually signed clout in the 70s. And we've been in touch all these years. Yeah. Insane. Freddie had his first uh, clout number one hit with clout in 1978. That is Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I know. So Freddie and I stayed in touch over the years, you know, sporadically and then I recorded with him. Okay, fine. So that was in twenty sixteen that I came here and I did it and, and by then I'd already knew I was gonna come back. Didn't know when, because I still stayed there till twenty twenty two, but I knew I was coming back. Um and this time coming back, firstly, the the emotional sense of leaving my family my my father's 91 he's still very functional and everything but leaving him was very difficult because I thought this might be the last time I see him
0: yeah
1: um, leaving my brother and his three kids and my sister-in-law we' were all very close and I care for them very much it was very difficult because I'm not going to see the kids growing up even more even though they're older Um leaving my friends. I'd made some really good friends and I had a life there and that was very difficult. And then coming here, um, the people I stayed with first were um, not as forthcoming as they said they were before I arrived and I ended up leaving after about five weeks. Mm. I had almost nowhere to go, but I had another friend here, ex-South African, been here for years, and he said, you know, I'd like you to come and look after the house. I'm going overseas, and would you come and look after my cat in my house? And I'm like, yeah, cool. So I've ended up staying with him since April, and he's like, you go when you go, it's fine. So I've been very safe that way. So once I sort of put some roots down, I started feeling stronger, Um It just didn't – it didn't go as smoothly as the first time when I immigrated. Mm. But it has now finally fallen into place with lots of bumps along the road. Um, Musically, I'm just sending songs out. I'm playing at writer's rounds. I'm connecting with musicians and more people, getting people to know my name in this town. And um, it's a process. And working, of course, working to sustain myself, to support myself so that I don't have to sit and cry every month and go, oh, I can't pay anything just because I've committed to my music. No, it is important for me to be secure. Yeah. I'm not, I can't live in my car. I'm too old. You know what I'm saying?
0: No, but even, even if you could, which I mean, mm-hmm. realistically, you probably could, but it's an important yeah. thing to talk about because, again, I think a lot of people have this notion that You've got to be all in, and that means, you know, you're only doing that. But you can be all in while finding a way to survive. You know, there's absolutely absolutely no shame in finding ways to make money. You know, nowadays everyone calls it a side hustle. But how many musicians have you met in your life that they're doing something to finance their art? You know, it's like you've you've got to do these things at least – in my experience, you've got to do these things. I know that 100%. maybe some people haven't had to, but th- I think it's it's an important element of it, and it's a realistic part
1: too. 100%. You've just spoken the absolute truth. Um, and, you know, the, a lot of South Africans are still able to just, just play, you know, and that was a big treat for me for those 17 years I was in South Africa. I, was, I didn't have to have a job, but you know what? Um That's over now, and I'm here, and I have to have a job to support myself while I send my music out to publishers and try to get known in this town. And it's a very tight-knit community, Yep. you know. Nobody's just, like, grabbing you up and saying, oh, my God, this is fantastic. They like to know that you're here for good, you know. They want to know that you've settled here and that you're part of the community, and you've got to become part of the community. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just like an interloper. You know, you're just someone who's coming in and trying to feed off all the years that they've put in. Yeah, exactly. You know? So let's... I mean... Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Go for it. No, keep going. No, no, no. I was just saying in New New Orleans. I mean, it's a huge music community. And you also have to, you know, you have to make your way in that, within the parameters of what that, that means. Yeah. Very much. Yeah.
0: So let's backtrack a little bit. Let's talk about cats. Now, I'm sure that there might be some parts you don't want to talk about here, and and that's understandable. (laughs) And I don't know all the ins and outs, okay? I've heard a few things over the years. Um, Obviously, Substitute was a massive, massive hit. I mean, Mm. you might have had the hit in the late 70s, but the thing is, even myself growing up in the sort sort of like 90s, early 2000s, I was still hearing that song on radio. So so that song was yeah. just absolutely massive. Now, I know it was a Righteous Brothers song. We'll get to that yeah. at, a, at, a, at a later point because I do want to talk about you and your songwriting. But I mean, how do you mentally, how do you just move on? Here's the story I've heard. Okay. And okay. If, if if I'm wrong, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm sorry. But I basically no, heard that Pretty much like what you said, you know, the, the record sold millions, uh, money was made, and your manager, whoever he or she was, basically ran off with all the money, and you guys never saw any.
1: Yeah. Is that basically that is pretty a, much a what happened? Yeah, it's pretty much what happened. What a boss. Um, we, we, he gave us a little kind of what was it called? Probably a pittance. Some, some tiny little pittance of money that um, kind of uh, kept us to, you know, sort of shut us up for a little bit. But all the time I started getting worse and worse um, because I knew that this was not right and I was just fighting the system um, and I'm sure he was – you know i know he was saying oh she's just a diva she's just throwing a tantrum which I, I was doing only because i was financially being raped yeah of course i was financially being abused um we all were and all i wanted as i said was to be playing music yeah on a big stage in the world yes lovely but to to what at what price at what price and exactly paying, yeah, i was paying such a big price for it and and it it destroyed me i mean i was a mess when cloud finished if i hadn't i just met a new man that i just started getting involved with and it wasn't for him um i don't know what i would have done he was saying listen just get get on with it just keep going start doing shows with other bands just go and do like guest artist shows with bands, like, hey, Cindy Alta's going to come and do a few songs with us kind of thing, like a show, and they pay, you know. So I started doing that to start, and eventually he said, like, let's put a band together, and we did that. And eventually that band progressed to a bigger band, and that band went overseas, blah, blah, blah. But the the repercussions, I, I never really dealt with it. I just kept going. I was on the floor for, like, five minutes, having my hysteria and, oh, my God, what has happened to me? And then I was up and running again. I didn't have time to actually sit and wallow and, and, and process and go to therapy and blah, 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 all those things. I'm not, I'm not to, um, poo-pooing any of those things. I should have. I should have wallowed. I should mm-hmm. have gone to therapy. I should have dealt with the emotions that were attached to it, but it did not. I just kept going. Well, I mean,
0: admirable. Extremely. I mean, the average person would have would have quit. I believe that. I've met enough musicians mm. at this point in my life to know that one hardship can siphon a whole career, you know? Oh um, yeah. You know, sure. and especially we're talking a time in music where records were being purchased. It's not like now, yeah. you know. Records yeah. were actually being purchased, yeah. so so even oh, if money. even if even, proper money. yeah, proper proper tangible money. So even if you, and and I'm not in any way trying to ram this home. I, I don't want to talk about this for too long. I'm just gonna say this so that people listening actually get a an image of the 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 ramification here. We're talking yeah. ten million records that even if. The righteous brothers got fifty percent of that from a royalty point of view. Even if that was the case,
1: well, writers they would only get as, as writers. the publishing. Writing, yeah, was The right? only person publishing would only be that would not be about the actual record scales, Would just be publishing. Yes. Wow,
0: man, that's that's dirty. And and you know, I know people throw karma around, and I don't yeah. want to do that. But I I, yeah. I hope no, for 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 your sake that that person gets what they deserve.
1: Well, I like to think that karma is, is a something. Um, this time around, I have not seen it. He's still living his good life. He's got the yacht we bought him. He's very happy. Um, but I don't know. Is he happy? I don't know. I don't know anything. You, you can't really say or you can suppose and you can think that, okay, you know, There's. there's – you know, there's going to be karma here. This guy's going to get his just desserts. Something terrible is going to happen to him, et cetera, et cetera. It hasn't up to now, or maybe it has personally. I don't know. But the bottom line is I cannot sit and wait for – it's like taking poison and expecting someone else to die.
0: Yeah, I love that quote.
1: Okay. I uh, Don't you love that quote? Yeah. That quote is one of my favorite quotes because it's that's that's resentment. Yeah.
0: And yeah, no, and listen, it, it'll it'll destroy yeah. you, and especially if you're a creative person, yeah. you can't have that. You're trying to trying no. to trying to create, and you've got that in the back of your head. It it'll destroy you. Yeah. So now, tell me, we'll we'll finish off the the cloud management Ooh. stuff here in a second.
1: Yeah,
0: fine. Was he at least sort of? <laughs> I hate to use the word righteous. After after saying the righteous brothers, but was he at uh-huh. least righteous enough to? pump some money back into the band before the band broke up so that you guys were getting PR and marketing and stuff like that? Or was it a matter of?
1: No. 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 He was already slipping out the back door. Wow. um, I think we were coming too much trouble because we were asking about money all the time Um, and it was irritating him. And he saw new ventures and he started working with another band called The Ragdolls. And funnily enough, my boyfriend at the time was Tomislav Swaronek. He was um, in the band. He was a bass player. And um, they had just started suing him because he had not given them royalties. He had not released their album. He had not adhered to his contract with them. So they were in court whilst Clout was falling to pieces. And his wife was dying of cancer. And we all just, well, everybody in the band said, listen, let's not take him to court. Let's just sort of end this thing and goodbye. I was ready to go to court and our lawyer had even said, listen, I'm doing it pro bono because I know we're going to win this court. We're going to win this thing.
0: Wow. That's heavy stuff, man, Cindy. That's heavy stuff.
1: You know, when you look back on it, of course, I, I had to let go of all that shit long long time ago. I had to move on, you know, otherwise I was going to be this person who was jaded and, and cynical and, and, had that bitterness inside me. Listen, I had enough of it for it to give me cancer eventually. Yeah. I knew I hadn't dealt with things, maybe not carried bitterness and all that, but I was carrying something. Yeah. And it created a poison in my body, and my body just said, okay, I've had enough. I'm I'm going to lie down now, and, and if you don't lie down and stop, something terrible is going to happen.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow man. So let's turn the True. negative into a positive here. So you're still <laughs> making music and, and obviously, you know, to anybody who, who has ever listened to you or seen you live, you're an incredible singer. You're a great guitarist. Wow. But your uh, your master skill, as as at least as far as I'm concerned, is your songwriting. We spoke a little bit a little bit about it earlier. We're gonna talk a little bit more about it now. Let's talk about okay. your songwriting process. What is your, your, your general go-to system if you have one? Are you typically writing? Well, actually, I suppose this question could be expanded now because you are in Nashville. So let's kind of stretch this out a little bit. I was going to ask if you mm. are typically writing purely from a creative point of view, just to create, or mm. if you're writing from a commercial point of view. But I suppose Ooh. that now will depend on whether you're trying to write for yourself as an artist or if you're mm. trying to write in the commercial realm of getting cuts there in Nashville, right?
1: Right, absolutely. And there is there is a definite discerning line between the two, um, you know. But for me, not really because I think if you write from the heart and you write something authentic, um, whoever's listening to it, who it would say, "Geez, that's a great song." I think so and so could do that song beautifully. And you didn't particularly write it for so and so. You didn't particularly start this thing and saying, "I'm writing the song for Martina McBride." I'm writing the song for Pink. I'm writing the song for uh, Miley Cyrus. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, I do not, and have not yet, in all the years that I have been writing written a song for a person. I have written songs, and at the end I said, "Geez, you know who would sing this well? Dot, dot, dot. Uh, The song I wrote with Trevor Rabin was a beautiful, big, fat ballad, and it was written like very early 90s, Um, and Celine Dion would have sung that song amazingly. (laughs) You know, it just didn't get to her. There's also that. There's so much red tape or whatever tape it's called um, that prevents you from getting to the artist. And because everybody's trying to write for the artists, everybody is trying to get a cut.
0: Yeah. So sorry. No, no, it's good. No, No, it's, it's something I've noticed as well. The, um, you know, doing, doing a lot of co-writes myself, it's like, Mm. it's interesting how much of a catalog you can build up quite quickly. Yet, yes. how many of those songs will never really see the light of day? They sit on yes. a computer or a hard drive, and some mm. of them are, are great songs. Not to say that all mm. of them are, but some of them are great songs, but it's just
1: yeah.
0: it's a timing thing, and it's a, a luck thing, and it's a, you know, how close are you to the person that can get that to the person you mm. want to sing that song kind of thing. So, it's, so it's a factors. tricky business. Yeah. you know,
1: It's a tricky business. We we know that it's a tricky business, but really, bottom line is it is a very slippery slope. This whole thing because uh, you you just don't know how to get your songs out there. I mean, I'm sending stuff to people that are connected, and they also not getting back to me and saying, "Hey, I love your songs," or "We I can't really use these right now," or 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 anything. Just say something to me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just say. You fucking horrible goodbye! Leave me alone! Never speak to me again! You know, at least something, <laughs> say something. Yeah, yeah. Because some feedback's better than no feedback. You know. To me, it's I'd rather hear the absolute straight up, than then blow smoke on my eyes and say, "Oh, you know, this is very nice. We don't have anybody at the moment. That's also fine." But don't just not talk to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. So how are you finding the songwriting rounds um, in Nashville now? And how are you going about getting the gigs at the songwriting rounds, firstly? And then secondly, well, when you're there, how's well. your response? So are you are you finding it easy to sort of gel with the other songwriters, or is it more socially awkward because you're, in essence, still an outsider?
1: Um, no, I'm definitely um, connecting with other songwriters. People are hearing me and going, "Oh wow, I know this other writers' around. You should join." That kind of thing. So I've started off like with one place, and it's quite a well-known place. And all the songwriters come through. There, people that have had big cuts and people that are just starting. So it's got a good um, spectrum, you know, of of the writers around there. Um, so I play there. It's the Commodore. Oh yeah, and. I'm, yeah, you know the Commodore yeah. Bar and Grill Yeah, I've actually played there yeah. at the Holiday, and of course, I'm sure you have. <laughs> and that's that's a that's a good place to start because you meet a lot of people. So through there, I've got two other places to go now, and just slowly, slowly catch the monkey, as they say. Keep keep working at it. To me, this is the long game. Coming to Nashville, it's this is the long game. This is my um, I don't want to sound negative and say these are my last years, but this is my last hurrah, really. Um, I'm I'm 65. I'm going to be turning 66 in March. And hey, there's no, there's no time limit on songwriting. Yeah. There's no time limit that you can't write a hit at 66 and somebody goes mad for it. And then that's it. You You're cool. Cause they want to hear all your stuff. So I'm, that's what I'm into this for. I know inside me somewhere in my soul that there will be a song for somebody that will, that will take it to the next level. I, I know
0: that. I agree. And, and even just listening to the material you have released over the years, the yeah. songs are great. You know, there's no denying the songs are great. So whether it comes down to, you know, you know, somebody not liking something about them, you can't deny that there's still an artistic sort of greatness to the songs. It's, I, I believe it. I've, I've seen this with, with musicians, and I include myself in this this box mm. time and time again. It's like, you know, sometimes it's like we sort of said a little bit earlier. It's There's other factors that are included because, I mean... Myself, just like you, I'm sure, how many times have you played a show and you get, you know, stranger after stranger after stranger saying, oh, the, you know, I love this and this yeah, really means something yeah. or I bought this yeah. and it, it helped me through this or you guys are the greatest thing I've seen since this and those things are all great. And, it, you know, it's nice to boost your ego, but there's no mm. reason for that many people to lie if you're that bad. You know what I'm trying to say? Like well, I know yes, that there absolutely. are some people yeah. on the on the scenes all over the world that maybe aren't very good that do get that praise. But I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. talking about them. I'm talking about genuine artists, songwriters, musicians, whoever, who you know, they just don't get that break. And yes. that's not uh, it's not through lack of trying. You know? Yes. Sometimes sometimes those yeah, that- things don't happen, you know.
1: And and it's possible, you know. I can't let myself think that. No, I cannot because I know if I go there, I'm going to go into the black hole. Completely. You know how the black you know the black hole. Oh, too well,
0: <laughs> too well. The,
1: the, artist, the artist, is is a connoisseur of the black hole. Yeah, because we are soul people. We want to we want to play music and we want to share our music and we want to get our songs out there. And we get paid for it. Yeah, and. And then the other side of it is um, take care of the business, be a business person, you've got to know what you're doing, you can't just be the artist, la, 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 la. And so you're pulled constantly in different directions and all we want to do is, is just feed our art. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, completely. The only thing I will say yeah. about the black hole is uh, it can create some very good themes for yeah. writing. <laughs>
1: And that's why we know it so well. I mean, God, look at artists, you know, painters over the years. I mean, look at someone like Van Gogh who got his ear off. He was so in the black hole. He was so depressed. Yeah. And so upset that he got his own ear off. Yeah, and now now he's celebrated
0: like he was this genius where, you know, I I don't know if you've ever been to Amsterdam or anything like that, but I remember going and seeing his art somewhere there uh, in in Holland somewhere, I think. Mm. But – and they were talking about how when he was alive, he was like borderline homeless. You know, he couldn't even afford yeah. food.
1: Oh, yeah. And now,
0: I mean, us mere mortals couldn't afford a, a piece of art from him. <laughs>
1: exactly. Oh, yes. Makes so much sense, doesn't it? No, it and, really and does. I, you know, it scares me to think that when I die... Every, you know somebody might go oh my god this woman was so amazing she had such great songs listen to her songs let's let's produce her stuff and then then what <laughs> wouldn't have been here to enjoy the bloody success
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man that kind of sucks but it's kind of funny oh my god
1: that's fucking big time
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey you know what it doesn't matter because at the end of the day you still achieved that goal <laughs> you know
1: well you know what I guess Travis, you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter how old you are and how long you've been in the business, whatever it is. I think artists are always connected no matter what age they are or anything. They're connected in their art. Yeah. They're connected by their art. They're connected by their their willingness to dive in to a deep um, pool of creativity and, and pull something out of that. And, that, that is admirable. I think that is, you know, it, it's incredible despite your, your situation where you are. So I'm living with a friend, um, you know, I'm scrambling a bit, but I'm still able to write and I'm still able to create. And that there's something to be said for that.
0: Very much so. And again, you know, depending on how people want to look at it, you're actually trying to achieve your dream. And most people will finish school if they even get that lucky, get into a job that they hate, work that job for most of their life, never even trying to chase a dream. So, you know, there are struggles to it without a doubt, but but sometimes, you know, even with those struggles, you know, firstly, I think it builds character if you're strong enough to let it. And secondly, you're trying to achieve a dream and that's, there's no weakness in that, you know?
1: No, I, I totally agree and I see that. I know exactly what you're saying and that's that is very um astute of you to go in there and, and 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 to know that because it's the truth. It is the truth. I mean, I'd rather be doing this and 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 struggling with it than not be doing it.
0: I agree. So let's talk about Trevor Rabin for a second. There's another (laughs) musician, South African musician, that uh, often doesn't get known as a South African musician. Same with Dave Matthews. I find that no one
1: seems to ever know
0: that Dave Matthews is South African. But uh, not to jump on the South African bandwagon since, uh, you know, at this point in my life I've lived longer out of South Africa than I've ever lived in South Africa. But but tell me what, what it was like working with Trevor. Uh, and for the listeners who aren't uh, sure who Trevor Rabin is, uh, well, firstly, he's a massive movie composer, but he did play in that yeah. band, Yes, and Owner of a Lonely Heart mm. was was like the big hit they had while he was in the band, I believe. So, so, um, so you know, what did you learn from Trevor, if
1: anything? Um, wow. I mean, he's... He's quite an incredible artist. Of course, he is. He is a fantastic creator. He is, um, what's the word? Uh, he's a, he's a musical genius. I mean, you cannot say anything but that from him. Um, I think we learn from each other, believe it or not, because I'm a I'm a writer of um, let's call it commercially. Uh, commercially acceptable, so that I don't I don't write very crazy chords and tunes and stuff. It's not a jazz. It's definitely not prog rock. It's just simple chords, very simple chords, as always, and. Um, the melodies to me are very important. I don't like to go out there too too much. I like a melody to be followable, followable. I like to be able to hear a song and go, oh, I love that melody. And I'd like to be able to sing it very quickly after hearing it. Sometimes a song grows on you and that's a little different. Um, so we were different kind of songwriters together, but he gave me this beautiful track it was a beautifully orchestrated track, and I put the melody and the, and the lyrics together, and what came out of there was incredible. And then we started writing for an album we were going to do together, and he wanted to be a little bit more African, and I'd sort of just worked with that African band Zia. Hmm. So I had the, the, the sort of knack of um, bringing commercial into an African sound you know, so we could have the African rhythms and stuff, but it could still be commercial enough without it being too out there. And I think we, we were a very good combination, I do think, for making what we were making. Um and, and of course working with someone so smart and so plugged in, it just it fuels your fire. It just fuels your fire. Yeah. You know, you just you 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 just like fuck, these are the people I need to be working with. I agree. I agree. Well,
0: Cindy, I've got two last questions for you because I want to honor our time. So the first you might have already answered. um, So I'm going to tweak it a little bit. Um, Away from the managerial issues and away from some of the struggles of relocating several times at this point, what do you think has been the hardest lesson you've had to learn in regards to your musical career?
1: Um, I would say self-worth. Because every time you get rejected, you lose self-worth. And we get a lot of rejections in this business. Lots. It's not always yes. It's a lot of no's.
0: More nos and than
1: when, yeses. <laughs> yes, more nos than yeses, and every time that happens, it's another, another knife in the heart, you know. And you've got to remember that it's the sum of the whole. It's not the, the sum of the whole, partial. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. it's the whole thing. There's a lot to it. You can't just let the nos block out the sun. The sun is going to rise every single day, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And you've got to hold on to yourself with and keep believing in yourself, whether it ever happens or not. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just believe that you have something to offer and and, and somehow by feeding your art and feeding your soul by what you do, you will get some joy out of that.
0: I agree. Very nice. Yeah. And in turn, what do you think the best advice you've ever received in your musical career has been?
1: Funnily enough, I came up with something a while ago. I'm not saying that I gave myself the best advice, but I think I did. Um, That I said, you got to be sure that you're doing this for the right reasons because if you're doing it just to be a big star like an idols thing and hopefully I become a big star overnight because I was on a TV program or anything and you didn't pay your dues or maybe you paid your dues in a different way or maybe you didn't or maybe you did whatever. Um, make sure you're doing this because this is your passion and your love because there's going to be more no's as we just said than yeses, and it's going to test you. And if you're just doing it because you want to be a big star and you don't get there, eventually you're gonna break, it's gonna break your heart. And you're gonna go, never happened, and I never got what I wanted because you know I didn't become a big star overnight like I wanted to. If you're in this for the for the haul, you better be in it for the long haul. That's what a life of music is. You know, you're not just doing it for the glitter and the stars. You're doing it for the bad times too and you're doing it for all times and you're doing it because this is what I do.
0: Yeah. Powerful stuff, man, Cindy.
1: <laughs> wow. Um, thank you. Where
0: is the best place for people to get hold of you if they're interested in talking to you or maybe doing some co-writes or, hey, maybe even using one of Cindy's songs, people. Come on. <laughs>
1: I love that. Thank you, Travis, so much. Hello. <laughs> um, this talk has been absolutely wonderful. It's great to talk to other musicians, you know, that I also respect. I mean, we even wrote a song together. I thought that song was great. Yeah. Was yeah I song. actually
0: I actually need to do some more production to that song and get you a copy. I've been so busy, but that's that's a whole other conversation we'll have.
1: Um, but I'm very happy to hear you've been busy and hopefully we can chat about that. On another conversation where we can just talk about you. Well, I feel like we've
0: barely touched the surface, and I'm trying to keep this down yeah. to our time because Please. I have to for for um, content purposes, and and just also yeah. because I tell people I'll, I'll take a certain amount of time, and I don't want to not not do that. But yeah, I, I, we got to do this again sometime because like I'm only through <laughs> about half a page of my notes, and I'm just like, man, <laughs> I got to start wrapping up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm happy to talk about this. You know, this is, as you know, this is my life. This is my passion. This is my my everything, I guess. And to the, to the detriment and the sacrifice of things that I have left behind or not done or not looked after about myself, um, it's always just been because of the music and it means so much to me and that I'm still sort of relevant enough that somebody wants to talk to me and ask me about my musical career and stuff. So I just want to say I appreciate that so much. Thank you.
0: No, thank you. Thank you for your time. And, um, you know, before we wrap up, just uh, just let us know, uh, Cindy, where can people find you?
1: So I'm, I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I've got Cindy Alter page and a Cindy Alter music page. I've got Instagram, Cindy underscore Alter. I'm um, also on, Facebook, on uh, email, cindy.alter at com. And you can just get hold of me in any of those ways and send me messages. And I'm very keen to hear from people because I love giving back. I still manage to do some lectures and stuff at um, different places that – you know that support musicians and music people and i just love doing that because i think there's a lot to know about the music industry that you don't know about and that someone like me who's been through so many years of it i might know something just a little something maybe
0: totally and and your passion definitely comes through so i would (laughs) recommend anybody who is interested totally just get hold of cindy man like you you don't have the opportunity to talk to somebody who's sold 10 million records and been around the world several times every day. So just uh, do it, man. All right. Well, Cindy Alter, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure our listeners are going to get a load from this. I know I did. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Sweet. Thank you, everybody, for continuing to listen and support the podcast. Thank you very much to Cindy Alta for her time and her knowledge. Um, if you're enjoying these, I know I said it at the top, but leave us a rating or review, please. We appreciate it. You can find out more about the Musicians Mentor podcast at musicians-mentor.com. My name is Travis Mark. You can find out more about me at travismark.com. I'm always down to talk or just... Chat music really. Until then keep working and I will see you on the flip side. Peace